Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, the Word of God says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And let's pray. Lord, thank you for these tremendous scriptures. The gospel never gets old. The fact that you love us and that you went to such great lengths to save us, even giving your own self, taking our own sin upon you, paying for the sins of the world so that we could go free. And Lord, I pray today that you'd give us ears to hear what the Spirit says into this church and that you'd give me the words that you'd have me say and only those. Pray you'd magnify yourself. And Lord, the, the love of God is such a, a tremendous, uh, boundless theme. Uh, I know I won't do it justice without thy help. So I just pray you'd empower me to, to speak on your behalf and us to listen, we pray you'd change us uh, so we can be more like thee. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> As we read these scriptures, we're reminded that God's love motivated him to go to extremes to save mankind. Uh, some might even call it crazy. I've talked to some unbelievers over the years, and they'll say something like, well, you have a, a bloody religion. Uh, some scorners mock the sacrifice of Christ. Uh, but is it so unusual to believe that love would make you go to such lengths to save one that you love? Is there not a parent in this room who wouldn't give your life for your children? Is there not a husband in this room who wouldn't give your life if you knew it would save your spouse or a wife or a, a wife who would give her life for her husband? Oh, the truth is love will make you do some crazy things. The Bible teaches us that God loves us with such a deep, intense love. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul talked about that we could study and, and learn God and know God, that we could learn the height and breadth and depth of love, the dimensions of God's love. One songwriter said, if we could with ink the ocean fill and were the sky a parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though spread from sky to sky. See, the love of God, how do you describe it? Matter of fact, God himself couldn't find human words to describe our, His love for us, not because of His lack of ability, but because our lack of understanding. And the greatest verse in the Bible, <clears throat> one of the greatest verses says, For God so loved the world. How much did God love us? So much. Well, how much is that? You know, so much. It's indescribable. Have you ever looked at someone and said, I love you so much? Words fail you. There's no metaphors, there's no analogies, there's no way to take what's in my heart and help you to understand. I just love you so much. And the Bible says, for God so loved the world, He loved us. One man said, how much did God 
love you this much as he hung on the cross and died. You ever have a child say, oh, I love you this much. Well, Jesus stretched out his arms and died on a cross. Why? Because of his great love for you. I would even venture to say that God loves us with a crazy love. Some people would look at that love and say, that's crazy. Well, love will make you do crazy things. And we should return the same love to God. I submit to you this morning that you should love God with a crazy love. Uh, Some people will look at your life and say, hey, you're crazy for going to church. You're crazy for talking about God so much. You're crazy for talking to people about Jesus. You're crazy for tithing and offering and supporting missionaries. You're crazy that you're allowing this Christianity thing to just take over your life. Well, we can say with the Apostle Paul, the love of Christ constraineth us. We're captured by the love of God. Love will make you do crazy things. As I think about love and how love can make you crazy, I think about how love can give you crazy feelings. Love will make you do weird things, won't it? Uh, As children, I still remember uh, being in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, and... uh, Girls used to have cooties. Do you remember that? I don't know what a cootie is. All I knew is I didn't want one. You know, and girls, girls had cooties. And then there comes a time in your life where they no longer have the cuties, but they have the, the cuties. It's like they're no longer gross. Now they're like, whoa, hey, hey. And so young Young girls think boys are gross. You boys are so gross. But then there comes a day when they're no longer gross. And uh, you begin to like those young boys' attention. You like it when they look at you. You like it when they talk about you. Matter of fact, they come around. You're like, oh, no, what do I say? What, what do I say now? And maybe your knees will get a little weak and your hands will get a little bit sweaty when, when certain comes around and you're trying to process these feelings because how did we go from being grossed out by you to now I get all tongue-tied when you're around? Well, affection make you do crazy things. It'll give you weird thoughts. Curiosity begins. And then these young children, as they're trying to process these these changing emotions about the opposite gender, they become teenagers and they lose their minds. I mean, they just lose their minds. Uh, they, they are love struck. Have you ever heard that love struck? How many of you remember your first love? The first boy or the first girl that you just like, uh, this is the one for me. This is the one that I, I just think about her uh, I just can't stop thinking about her, or I just can't stop thinking about him, and oh, he's so cute, and uh, this, and his hair, and his muscles, and his smile, and all of this, and you just get all caught up. See, love will start giving you these crazy feelings. Uh, it'll, love will make you not think clearly. Love can encourage you to make foolish decisions. How many of you have ever known someone who think they're in love and they've got the old deer in the headlights look? It's like they just lose whatever else is going on in the world 
and they're just like they're not home. They're not they're not living life like everybody else because they're just focused on uh, someone. Uh, it's interesting to talk to people who who are in love or think they are, and every conversation turns to the object of affection. You know, guys can be sitting around watching a football game, burping and being manly and drinking sodas and eating too much chicken wings and all of a sudden and and Bob and Joe and Jim are sitting there and they're talking about the game and then Bob say something like yeah Susie doesn't like football it's like what we're watching football why are you bringing up Susie because he's thinking about Susie the whole time Uh, he, he doesn't even know who's winning he's thinking about Susie or you can have girls and they've got some boy on their mind and they can be looking at the Grand Canyon and the, the immense beauty that God made, and they'd say like, oh, Bobby would love to see this. It's like, but Bobby's not here. And it's interesting, you talk to people, it's like they bring every conversation back, every conversation back to the one. You know why? Because that's what's on their mind all the time. The mind is consumed with thoughts. And we know that there's this different types of love, and we've talked about the four different kinds of love here found in the scriptures over the years, and uh, the different Greek words used for love, and we're not going to delve into all that uh, to this morning. I've written on it extensively, but we understand that this young love, this immature love, we're just trying to process these feelings. You can't get your mind off the one who you love. I'd like to remind you this morning that God loves you like that. You know, the love of God is not just some theory. It's not just a concept. God loves you. I mean, He loves you. The truth is, you have the capacity to love because you were made in the image of God. The way that you love is only possible because God made you with that capacity to love. And then as you go further, the Bible teaches us that we can only have true love, agape love, God's love, because he first loved us, 1 John chapter 4 tells us. So we we never even truly know how to love until we've accepted God's love. But just like the mind is consumed with the one that you love, and, and you could be doing dishes and thinking about that person. You could be at work thinking about that person. You could be driving thinking about that person. The Bible says God loves you more than you can imagine, And he thinks about you more than you can count. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 139. We'll come back around full full circle to Romans chapter 5. Turn to Psalm 139. God thinks about you. Some of you might be in a dark place and you're wondering if God even cares. Some of the Psalms... The psalmist lament that God has forgotten them. Why did you forget me, God? How could you let this happen to me, God? And if you've been saved a long time, there have been times where you wonder, it just seems like God's far away. It just seems like He's not as close as He could be and should be. Well, let me encourage you that God's never forgotten you. He knows your name. He knows every contour of your face. He created you. He knows every hair on your head. He knows every dollar in your bank account. He knows every feeling of your heart. He loves you. And the Bible says He thinks about us. Look at Psalm 139 and verse 17. 
How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Think about that. They're more in number than the sand. We live in a coastal community. There's not a one of us that hasn't taken a walk on one of these beautiful beaches around here. And imagine seeing all that sand just next time you're out there, just pick up a little handful of sand and let it run through your fingers. And I dare you to just count the sand that you can hold in your hand. And yet the Bible says that if you were to count all the sand on all that beach and all that beach and in all the beaches in the world, that God thinks about you more than the sand of the sea. That ought to be encouraging to you. Oh, how God loves you. Look at. Jeremiah 29, Jeremiah chapter 29, God not only thinks of you, but the Bible tells you what kind of thoughts God thinks towards his people. Some people believe that, yeah, there's a God, but he's just waiting to punish me. He's just waiting for me to do something wrong so he can bonk me over the head, so he can make my life miserable. No, that's not the God we serve. God is a God of love. And make no mistake, He will chastise sin. Make no mistake, Christian, hear me. He will chastise sin just like a good father, a good mother must, must discipline their children, must set boundaries for their children and teach them the consequences of sin. God is a good heavenly father. He must do that, but he doesn't He doesn't want to. He doesn't revel in it. The truth is all these wonderful thoughts that God thinks towards us. The Bible tells us what kind of thoughts he thinks. Look at Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. Look at this precious verse. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. God has wonderful thoughts. God has thoughts of peace towards you. God has thoughts toward an expected end. It talks about His vision for you. It talks about His plans for you. God's made plans for you. God's got wonderful things set aside for you. I'm talking about better than a a trip to Disney World, better than a cruise in the Bahamas, better better than a a, a trip going around the world, visiting all the different uh, places in the world. God has plans for you. He has desires for you to be blessed and for you to have a wonderful life, and for you to have a good family, and for you to, to, to have a heart filled with, with love and joy and peace, and to live a life of significance, making a difference for eternity, to have a life where you and He are walking and talking together in communion. So God not only thinks a multitude of thoughts towards you, they're wonderful thoughts. They're pleasant thoughts. It's almost like God is crazy in love with you. He thinks about you. He can't get his mind off of you because you're precious. Oh, love can make you crazy for sure. I knew a fiance one time or this this couple that was engaged to be married and uh, they just couldn't get enough of each other. I mean, they would talk and text on the phone all day and then they would go on a date for three hours or so at night. And then they would talk on the phone all the way home. As he's driving home, he'd be talking on the phone and come in the door, and he's still living with his parents while they're preparing for marriage. And uh, the parents are like, you're still on the the phone with her again? You talked to her all day. You just spent three hours with her, and now you're talking to her on the way home? 
Yeah, he couldn't get enough of her. Uh, think of newlyweds. They just can't get enough of each other. They don't, he doesn't want to go to work. He just wants to be with her. Uh, she wants to go to work with him, or she wants to, to take him to work with her. I mean, they just can't get enough of each other. They talk all the time. They hug and they cuddle. They're always holding hands and snuggling in church. And I mean, they just can't get enough of each other. It's a crazy love. Matter of fact, have you ever looked at people that love each other like that? It just kind of makes you sick in your stomach. It's just a little nauseating. Now, the truth is most of us were like that when we got married. See, it's a crazy love. Let me show you a wonderful verse. Look at Jeremiah chapter 2. Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. If you're there, say amen. Amen. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, watch this, I remember thee, the kindness of thy youth, the love of thine espousals, When thou wentest after me in the wilderness in a land that was not sown, Israel was holiness unto the Lord and the first fruits of his increase. You see, this is God lamenting back when Israel used to love God with that kind of love. He said, I remember when you were like newlyweds, the love of thine espousals. I I remember when you couldn't get enough of me. I remember when you just wanted to be with me. I remember when you talked about me when I wasn't there and when I was around, you just wanted to talk to me. I remember when you'd go to work and you'd just say, man, I wish I could just stop and read my Bible. When you'd, it'd, it'd be Thursday and you could say, man, I wish it was Sunday so I could go to church and be in God's house. I mean, you just couldn't get enough of God. You couldn't read enough Bible. You couldn't pray enough. You just loved being around God's people. And God looks and he talks to Israel and he says, I remember back when you loved me with that type of crazy love. And he said, I wish you would love me that way again. See, if we're not careful, just like the newlyweds who can't get enough of each other, you get married 5, 10, 15, 20 years, and next thing you know, you've had enough of each other. It's interesting, we we try to keep people apart before they're married and go into marriage right, and then after they're married, we have we try to keep them together. Uh, See, life happens, and if you're not careful, things will get in the way, and you'll just get swept up by the busyness of life. You didn't get married to have a roommate. You got married because you loved them, and you wanted to spend the rest of your life together. And what happened? Well, we got busy, and we had work, and then we had dishes to do, and I got to vacuum the house, and we got to do this, and then we had a couple kids came along, and they're a lot of work, and they take up a lot of I encourage everybody in here to remember the love of your espousals. Matter of fact, sometimes in marriage counseling, we have found it effective to have a couple who's struggling in their marriage to watch their marriage video. And it's interesting to sit back with them and watch as they were so excited to get married. And he was up on the platform so nervous. He was just so nervous, and she was back there glowing and radiating, and she steps out, and the marriage march starts, and she's coming down beaming, and he's up there just glowing. And as they give their vows to each other, they have looks on their face of such love and commitment. 
And they get married and they give each other the kiss and they walk out and everybody's cheering and they're so happy. Sometimes it's helpful to take a married couple back to that moment and say, remember the love of your espousals. Remember what it used to be like. It still can be that way. It still can have that that type of love, that level of affection. It's still available to you. And I encourage each married person in the room to strive for a crazy love. Stay in love. The Bible says in the New Testament to keep yourself in the love of God. That if you're going to stay in love with God, you have to determine that I'm going to stay in love with God. And I tell you this morning that if you're going to stay in love with your wife, you have to determine I'm going to stay in love with my wife or I'm going to stay in love with my husband. You have to keep doing the things that you used to do back then. Keep doing them today. You know, you have a good marriage the same way that you started a good marriage. Keep doing the same things. Why stop the little love notes? Why stop the cute texts and just the calls for no reason, the flowers for no reason, the the weekly date night, the never going a day without looking them in the eyes and saying you love you and wrapping them up in your arms and squeezing them? See, it's a crazy love. But see, God loves us with a crazy love, but He longs to be loved with a crazy love. Do you see that? God says, I remember thee the kindness of thy youth, the love of thine espousals. Then He gives an illustration, when thou wentest with me, wentest after me in the wilderness. You know, the Jews were captive in Egypt for 430 years. And after 430 years, God sent Moses and finally delivers them and they go into the wilderness and they were so happy to be delivered. They went after God willingly. And matter of fact, the Bible says they went out with a high hand. They spoiled the Egyptians as they left. God made sure that the Egyptians were so eager to get rid of him. I mean, they gave him gold and silver and food and just showered him with things to where when Israel left Egypt, they not only left bondage, but they left rich and Israel was poor And their entire country was decimated after all the plagues. And they followed after God so happily. But you know what? Then problems came. The Red Sea, they started to complain. God delivered them miraculously. Then they didn't have water for a few days. They started to complain. God gave them water miraculously. It just seems like in the wilderness... Just the daily problems of life began to come in between the love that they had for God. And it ought not be that way. You know, the truth is God never failed the, the, the Jews. He never let them down. And His love was constant and consistent. And I encourage you not to let the troubles of life come between you and the Lord. Don't let the troubles of life begin to wane and you, you, you run into some trouble here and you, a little financial trouble and you begin to feel like God doesn't love you. A little relational trouble and oh, I wonder if God loves me. A uh, little sickness and well, if God loved me, He wouldn't let this happen. No, 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 no. We ought to have a firm grasp of the eternal love of God. God has always loved you. He will always love you. He's never let you down. 
He never will let you down, even though things may not go the way you want. One of these days, you'll look back and say, God was right. He's never let me down. And so let's seek to love God with that crazy love. Remember back when you couldn't get enough of your Bible? Why now do you barely read it? Remember back when you used to love to pray? And now you just pray when you need something. Remember when you used to love to come to church? I mean, you just couldn't get enough of it. And then perhaps this morning you're here by duty. Some perhaps not even here. For no other reason than they just weren't feeling it. Now let's get back to the love of our espousals. Amen. Remember back when you got saved and you were so excited you wanted to tell everybody in your life how to be saved? I mean, you didn't want your friends, your family. You, you just wanted to tell everybody about Jesus. I mean, you're so awesome. And yet it's so easy for that soul-winning zeal to cool. And then we get more worried about what people think about us than their eternal soul. See, God loves us with a crazy love and God loves He longs to be loved with a crazy love. We said that crazy love brings crazy feelings. And I'll say lastly, crazy love brings crazy sacrifice. You see, love makes you sacrifice. Think about a mother with a child. Little sleep, getting up all through the nights, putting her life on hold. Changing countless diapers. I mean, that's love right there. Preparing countless meals. Going without, making sure the children have what they need. You say, why would a mother do that, love? I think about a man providing for his family, going to work every day. I mean, when he wants to, when he doesn't want to. The calloused hands, the weary days, the sore body, the weary mind. See, love causes you to set aside your needs for the wants and needs of others. The truth is, God's love, agape love, is not simply a feeling, it is a commitment. When God says, I love you, although that comes with warm feelings, it's not just warm feelings. It is a commitment. And mature love uh, is a commitment to someone. That's why if, if, if the, your only definition of love is what we would call a phileo love, and a, an affection type love, I love you because you love me, I love you because you're nice to me, I love you because you make me feel good, then feelings change, don't they? You don't fall into love, you choose to love. And the Bible says, uh, God said to the nation of Israel, I've set my love upon thee. I've chosen to love you. Truth is, there was nothing in the nation of Israel that caused God to love them. They were the smallest nation in the world. I mean, really started with a a man and a lady, and God said, I'm going to make a nation of you, and they became the nation of God in the Old Testament. There was nothing that they had that no other nation had. Matter of fact, uh, other nations had more money. They had glorious cities. They They had more to offer God. But you see, God doesn't need anything. He chose to love them. Do you know God has chose to love you? You have nothing that could purchase God's love. 
You have nothing that God has to have. He is the self-existent one. God didn't look down at Paul Chapman and say, wow, you've got a lot to offer. I'm going to love you. God didn't look down at you and say, wow, you make me feel good. I'm going to love you. No, God looked down from heaven. And you know what he sees? Sinners. Sinners. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But God said, I'm going to choose to love you anyway. You say, why would God choose to love sinners? Well, you have an analogy in your own life. Why would you choose to love your own children? I mean, you know they're going to make a lot of messes. You know you're going to have to take care of them. You know there's going to be years of your life where they just need you every moment of the day. And then they get to a place where they don't know how much they need you, but they still need you. They're going to make mistakes. They might even talk back to you. They might say hurtful things. They might hurt others. They might break your stuff. How many parents in this room have had your kids break stuff that's important to you? It's like a natural occurrence. It's like, yeah, that was a family heirloom. <laughs> that's, that's gone. Yeah, that was worth a lot of money. <laughs> that's gone. And uh, we still love. Why? Because they're our children. We've chosen to love them. See, God looks down from heaven and he said, I, 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 know that you're, I know that you're a sinner, but I love you. Even before God created you, he knew that you were <clears throat> going to be a sinner, a sinner by birth and a sinner by choice. But he said, I'm still going to create you because I want you to be. I want there to be a you. And there's nobody in the world like you. You're like a snowflake. Everybody's different and everybody's special. And all of you are unique and you have unique personalities and abilities and emotions. And God says, I want there to be a you. And have you ever looked up to heaven and say, God, I don't know why you put up with me. And God looks down from heaven and says, because I love you. Just like a man and wife know their kids are not going to be perfect, but they have them anyway. Why? Because they want children. See, God loves you. But that love causes a crazy amount of sacrifice. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. You say, boy, that's extreme. Oh, it is. The perfect for the imperfect. The just for the unjust. The sinless becoming sin. The righteous taking on our unrighteousness. Life submitting to death so you could live. God humbling Himself and wrapping Himself in human flesh and humbling himself further to be a servant and humbling himself further to hang on a cross and humbling himself further, even submitting to death. The creator, the life giver dying so that you and I could live. It's extreme. It's crazy. But that's how much God loves you. Look at Romans chapter eight. God gave everything to save you. 
The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Sin is so grievous. It's so terrible. You and I look at sin, it's like, well, yeah, that's kind of bad. And well, yeah, this, this sin's better than this sin. And that's just, like a, that's just like a little sin and that's a big sin. Well, the truth is all sin, the wages of sin is death and hell. Of the sin that plunged the whole human race into the chaos it's in today was eating something they shouldn't have eaten. And today, think about the, the, the terrible sins and the abominations that take place across our communities and across our country and across the world. Abominations to God. But God gave His best to save us. Look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Hey, that's good. Apply that to your problems this week. Apply that to whatever's going on in your life. Looks like you're losing. Hey, if God be for us, who can be against us? But let's read on. Then he goes and he tells us why that's true. Verse 32, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? See, God gave us his own son. He didn't sacrifice possessions or time. He gave himself. God's already given you his best. That's how much God loves you. And since he's given you his best, why wouldn't he take care of you in every other way? Look at verse 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Verse 35 says, Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are as counted as sheep as a slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Don't miss it, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you see the power of God's love? You see, this is a crazy love. This is an abundant love. This is an eternal love. Nothing in this world or in the world to come can separate you from the love of Almighty God. It's a crazy love. And God gave everything for you. Look back at Romans chapter 5 and we finish. Where we began, Romans chapter 5, verse 6, for when we were yet without strength, means we had no power. We had no power to save ourselves. When we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Who's the ungodly? Me and you. But look at verse 7. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. Think about this. Who would you die for? I mean, honestly, think about it. Who would you die for? Is there anyone? 
I dare say there's some people so selfish in this world they would die for no one because life is all about them. It's about what they want. It's about what they need. It's about their dreams and their goals and their time and their money. And let me just say, if you fit that category, what a terrible way to live. Selfishness is an emotional prison. It's a spiritual torment because you'll never have enough to be happy. And if you set yourself in the center of your universe, you'll spend the rest of your life upset that people aren't giving you what you think you deserve. Now, God's way is to live for others. But even in living for others, I mean, even a life of sacrifice, who would you die for? I mean, think about their names. Think about their faces. Who's on the list? The list is pretty short, isn't it? Let me ask you this. Would you die for your worst enemy? Would you die for the murderer sitting on death row? Would you die for the thief, the robber, the immoral, the ungodly, the wicked, the abominable? Now, see, we probably all, most of us have someone we would die for, but the list is short, and it's usually people we love very much. I dare say that nobody under the sound of my voice would die for the worst person on the planet. It just doesn't make sense. I mean, it's crazy to think that someone would do that. Oh, but see, our God's not a human like you and I. His love is boundless and eternal. And he looked down. The Bible says in verse 8, But God commendeth, that means proved or demonstrated, His love toward us, in that while we were yet, what's the next word? Sinners. Christ died for us. That's crazy love, my friend. I want to ask you this morning, have you accepted Christ as your Savior? Has there been a time in your life when you've realized that you're a sinner, you can't go to heaven on your own, but that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for your sins? Boy, today's the day to be saved. Now's the time. Today's the day. Would you accept Christ today? I mean, the one who loves you with the crazy love, he's gone to such lengths to save you. How could you reject such pure and perfect love? Many of you here this morning would say, Preacher, I've made that decision. I'm a Christian. I want to ask you, how do you love God? How do you love God? I love Him a little bit. I'll love Him as long as it doesn't cost me anything. I'll love Him if it's convenient. God's loved you with a crazy love. How about we go back to the days of our espousals? How about we go back to that new love, that first love, that love that says, man, I love God more than anything in my life. I'd do anything for God. I'd go anywhere. I'd do anything. I'd give anything. Because He's my life. In the New Testament, it says, in Him we live and move and have our being. 
I can't breathe without Him. I can't exist without Him. I, my heart doesn't beat without Him. I don't want to live a day without Him in my life. I, 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 fear, I fear disappointing Him. I want my life to matter for Him. See, if you live that way, someone's going to look at you and say, that's crazy. And you can look back and say, it's crazy love. God loves me, and I love Him. Let's bow for prayer. Lord, thank You for the Scripture today. We pray that You'd...